Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Jason Staples and Mike Ingersoll in for Greg Barnes on our usual Thursday podcast. And, Mike, I'm going to leave you on the sidelines for a little bit. I'm going to talk to Jason. Jason, Carolina and Georgia Tech on Saturday. It's a game that not many people expect Carolina to win. It's a game that Carolina really needs to win. But oddly enough, if my memory serves, Carolina has won the last three against the Yellow Jackets. So there's clearly a chance. Your take on the Heels and maybe their mental state going into this ball game down in Atlanta. Wait. So, so before you, before we get any any further, you're gonna you're telling me that this is this game has the patented Tommy Ashley must win. win must win moniker here. It's it's uh, been designated as a they they need to win this game. They need to win. Buck Sanders would say that's the eight thousand seven hundred and sixty third time I've said that. <laughs> He's about right, from what I can tell. Yeah, so I mean, I always loved uh, Marv Levy's quote on that, where uh, somebody asked him if the the following game was a was a must win. He said, "Must win? No, World War II was a must win. This is a game." <laughs> but no, I mean, it. I think this is one of those games where if if you're on this team and you've got three losses, the next game is that much more magnum amplified. And and, and I mean, I guess. I don't know that. I mean, Mike, you could probably say something to this too, that every game is important. If you're a competitor, every game. And, and the thing is, whether you win or lose, the next game is that much more important regardless, because you're either having to redeem yourself from a loss or you're wanting to carry over what you did from a win. So to me, this is one of those games where, you know, I, I feel cornered having not gotten through against Duke I feel like I let one slip away again in the fourth quarter and I want to come out and and prove that I can play a four-quarter game and win the win the ball game so in terms of mentality I I I would hope at least that 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 most of the roster and 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 the people in that locker room are coming in with a wounded animal type ferocity to this where you you know you've you've got to feel cornered and you've got to feel like you've got to fight your way out so what you're saying is and Mike, I want your opinion. But what you're saying, it sounded like you said to me, Jason, and our listeners and our message board posters will either make me look bad or confirm me. It sounds like that the players always think every game's a must win too, right? So I'm technically right when I'm on for the eight thousand seven hundred and sixty third time. Mike Mike, you've played on uh, you've played enough football in your life. Is it does a losing streak or a winning streak, how, does, how do they affect preparation for the next game, or, or do they? Mike, your take on this. I mean, Jason has picked on me a little bit, but I still think it's a, a must win. 
Yeah, well, it, preparation isn't going to change from from one week to another, right? So whether it's a a must win or not, I mean, the players are going to treat it the same no matter what. Um, Dang well should, and they should. And and you touched on it where you said, listen, they're, they're competitive. Okay, you don't get to this level by not being competitive, at least to some degree. And every competitive person wants to win. Period. Every time they roll out on the field, so. I don't see this as a must win. I mean, I see it as a, if we want to go to a bowl game, we got to win it. If we want to set up a, get back to 500 in conference, we got to win it. But the players treat everything as a must win. I mean, ODU is a must win. You know, Cal was a must win. Louisville is a must win. So um, the preparation, from a preparation standpoint, that doesn't change from player to player and from week to week, uh, absent a rivalry game where preparation gets amped up a little bit. But no, they're treating this like every other week. Every week they treat like a must win, if that's the f- phrasing you want to use. No, I mean, they're going into this. We've got a, we, we've got a two-game winning streak down in Atlanta. Am I right about that? They've won three overall. I think 14 was in Chapel Hill, 15 in Atlanta last year, of course, in Chapel Hill. So three overall, they've won, one won the last one. The last one in Atlanta yeah, we, was the 21-0 game they came back from. Yeah, yeah, and that was after a 20-something-year drought or something like that down in Atlanta. So, I mean, they, they understand what's at stake here. I mean, they've, they, they've got the ball rolling. We've had some success down there recently. We've had success against Georgia Tech recently. So, you know, this is a, this is a team that they, they know what they're doing. So their preparation isn't going to be any different now than it was last year. The, the benefit of this year is that we have more veteran players. They have an extra season of snaps under their belt for the most part for the guys that have been playing and they were successful last year defensively against Georgia Tech in as much as they allowed our offense to score more points than Georgia Tech's offense so (laughs) building building on that they know they can win this game from a defensive standpoint they know they can they can win this game offensively we know we can win this game we've done it before so no I don't think preparation is going to change I think preparation will be a little more uh Maybe a little more effective, maybe a little, uh, a little more streamlined this year since we've got a number of players defensively that have experience against Georgia Tech and have had success against Georgia Tech. We'll talk more about the game plan specifically after the break, but Jason, let me ask you this, and, and Mike, your opinion as well. How much can you get healthy in a week, in a game week? We've seen guys dinged up. Obviously, the injury report's going to be massive. Um, or is massive, but how how much or how healthy can you get in one week during the college college football season from your experience? Not all that much healthier. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the reality is by I mean by the by the end of the first week of pads in camp, everybody's hurt. But you know, you can get some bumps and bruises a little better and you can go from not being able to play at, you know, the level that you'd like to being able to play closer to the level you'd like. But I mean, it depends on what you're, what you're healing. I mean, if you've got a, a rolled ankle, you know, in a week that can go from not really being able to run on it to being serviceable and being able to, being able to tape it up tight and being able to run well, well enough to be a, a good player. Uh, but you know, if you've got something more serious, then it, it's not going to re- recover all that quickly. I mean, it, it really varies by injury. Uh, so, but again, the reality is one week is not going to massively change an injury situation. I mean, it's just not, not enough time. And, and what, what the week does is where you may not be healing physiologically, 
what you are able to do is learn how to play with that injury a little bit better because now you've had an extra week of dealing with it. So you look at a guy like Bentley Spain, right? Perfect example. Got a jacked up hand, got a jacked up knee. He took a week off and now he's, now he's back playing. He played last week. He played decently last week, you know, all things considered. And he's got an extra week now, extra two weeks since he hurt his hand of knowing how to play with that and how to overcompensate in other areas to make up the difference from what the injury is, is detracting from skill wise. So that's, I think, I think Jason hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah, guys are younger, but your body's supposed to heal faster when you're younger and all that. But you know, they're, 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 they're getting beat, they're getting beat up on, you know, that's, that's, that's just not the case with, a college football player, right? An average person, sure, they heal a little bit faster. And college football players, I guess they do a little bit, but Jason hit the nail on the head when he said, listen, after the you know, first week of pads, everybody's banged up. So really, I think the advantage is that they have an extra week. The guys that are injured or guys like Bentley have an extra couple of weeks now where they know how to play with that injury and overcompensate so that it doesn't affect their game uh, as drastically as it would have, say, during the game when it happened the first time. Mike, let me ask you this, and I know you did a podcast yesterday with EJ and John Siegley, but were you surprised that J.J. McCargo sat and Cam Dillard played pretty much, I believe, every snap against Duke, given his injury and given how well McCargo had played? No, I'm not surprised. Cam Dillard is the starter, and the best offensive line coaches I played for, their attitude always was an injury doesn't you're not going to lose your job because of an injury. If you get hurt and you have to sit a week, when you come back healthy, it's still your job. You know, it, there's the, the old Wally Pip adage doesn't doesn't play in with really good coaches unless it's just night and day. And you know, you seriously, you're you're just going to win every single game here on out with one specific guy versus the the original starter. That's not the case with JJ and Cam, and that's why you see Cam in there. He he has the experience, albeit in a different conference uh, at a different school. Um, but he has experience at this level. He's older. He was the guy all through camp, and he's with his age and experience. I, I would have to imagine. I'm not in the locker room, but I would say he's probably one of the leaders on the offensive line. You want that guy out there. JJ did a great job in in the games he had to play and the snaps he had to take, and I think that's going to do nothing but help him moving forward. But as long as Cam Dillard is healthy, Cam's going to play. Just like as long as Bentley Spain is healthy. Bentley's going to play. As long as Anthony Ratliff is healthy, Anthony's going to play. So, I, no, I'm not at all surprised. Jason Chasseret played well early in the season, struggled against Duke, but played – we've talked about this last Sunday. He played good, but that one play, how much does that eat on a younger quarterback? When you get older, um, like us, you can forget about mistakes. Um, but a younger quarterback in a new job, that interception, how much does he carry that forward? Or do you just totally flush it? I mean, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure with him that it's going to take that long. Uh, you know, he's been he's been playing quarterback a long time, and that's certainly not the first time he's thrown an interception. It's not the first time he's done something to really cost his team. You know, by the time you get to this point, these guys have made a lot of mistakes, and that's a good thing. You learn how to how to overcome that stuff by overcoming it. You know, and again, looking at every every example of his body language and how he handles things, you know, I, 
I, I see no reason that he's not just going to going to bounce back from it. Uh, you know, he's he's he played basketball is, is another example of this. And, and, you know, if you're a, a top quality basketball player like he was, you're used to missing half your shots and you're used to missing. You know, you're, you're going to take and you're going to miss big shots periodically. And you've got to be willing to go in and take the big shot again. And over time, you get more comfortable with what you're being asked to do and you don't make the same mistakes. So to me, him being younger doesn't necessarily make it harder at all. I, I think I think he's he's got the kind of mindset in terms of you can see in terms of the way he's dealt with some of the other mistakes that he's made that were smaller mistakes. This is a guy that bounces back. Stuff doesn't stick to this guy. And and I've been really impressed by that. That's one of the things that I was most impressed by even when I saw him in the spring is you can see that there's a presence to the guy and he, some of those little intangibles, the ability to move on from a play, that sort of thing. I think that's a real strength of his. So I don't expect there to be any lingering effects from that play at all. When we come back from these messages, we'll talk about Carolina's game plan on both sides of the ball against Georgia tech. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And welcome back to the show. And Mike, how does Carolina approach attacking a Yellow Jacket defense that's been pretty successful or has had some success preventing the run, one of Carolina's issues on the offensive side? Well, one thing Carolina can expect this weekend is Ted Roof is going to blitz them till their eyes bleed. And he's going to keep blitzing <laughs> that offensive line until they show that they can pick it up. Uh, that's in the pass and in the run. We'll talk about the run first. Ideally, with as much as I expect Roof is going gonna, is gonna to blitz our offensive line, you want to run as many runs as you can into those blitzes because if you're able to pick up a blitz in the run, that opens up a massive hole, and that's usually where you see big gains in the run game. It's typically not against a base defense you know, where there's no movement and there's nothing going on. That's usually not where you see big, huge runs unless you're playing you know, a high school team. Where you see big gains in, in at the Division One level, at the Power Five level, is an offensive line was able to pick up a blitz that was they ran the play into the blitz, not away from it, and they just gashed them. And we broke off a huge, you know, you break off a huge 20, 30 yard gain. I don't that I think expecting Carolina to be able to do that consistently is optimistic. And I only say that because we have some key pieces that are relatively inexperienced on the offensive line right now. Other pieces like Bentley Spain, Cam Dillard, they're hurt. You know, right now, the, the healthiest, most experienced guy we have is R.J. Prince. And, and he's been playing significantly better. I've been saying this all season. It's, it's night and day from last year. But with the guard position, the left guard position kind of in flux, and 
you know, we don't know how healthy exactly Cam Dillard is. We don't know if he's going to go down again uh, with the tackle position relatively in flux. It's optimistic to to think that we're going to be able to break off massive runs by running into blitzes a lot. I think Carolina's best bet is going to be hitting the edges and getting the ball out quickly. So your your jet sweeps, your wide outside zones, you know, getting the ball snapped in the running back's hands and moving quickly to try and negate whatever penetration their defensive line and linebackers are going to get both from just beating our guys up front and from the blitz. Uh, If we can start chipping away on the edges a little bit, that'll open up the inside. If Georgia Tech has to start respecting the outside run and the sweep sweep game a little bit more, that'll that'll give us some lanes inside to run with um, and some opportunities to get some cheap yards inside between the tackles. But if we're unsuccessful early getting the ball outside, it might be a long day for us. And I don't say that to, to talk negatively about our offensive linemen. I think Coach Cap has done a great job. And I mentioned this in the other podcast with uh, John Siegley and EJ. I think Cap has done a great job of having our backups prepared to play. The, it looks like they've prepared like starters and, you know, being thrown in the fire this early. Some of those guys never expected they'd play. And they've done a pretty good job with what's been asked of them. So, and I see them getting better week in and week out. So that's the run game is going to be. A staple is going to have to be the outside zone and the sweep and the jet sweep. And if we can get that going, we'll get some. We'll be able to get some pick up some cheap yards in between the tackles. As for the pass game, we got to snap the ball and get out of get out of Surratt's hands quick. That's again going to be dictated, or I guess that play calling is completely dictated by the amount of blitzing that Ted Roof, I'm sure, is going to do. And they're going to have some stuff for us that we've seen in the past few games that Carolina's had a hard time picking up from a, a pass protection standpoint. That's what happens every single week. If you get beat on a blitz in week two, week three, you're going to see five of them and they're going to keep bringing it until we show an ability to stop it. One thing that we've been able to do on the offensive line with, and with our backs and pass protection is when we've messed something up in one week, we've tended to pick it up the next week and put a stop to it what Ted Roof is likely going to do is throw something brand new at these guys that they've never seen before, and that might give us some headaches. It might not, but it it may. I think one of the big positives of this game is that I wouldn't expect to see us make the same mistakes in blitz pickup that we've been making. And I I harp on blitz pickup because when it's just a general four-man rush and it's just our typical six-man protection, four-man rush, our pass protection has been pretty good. And I think that's highly encouraging considering the hodgepodge offensive line we're rolling out there with every single week because of injuries. Again, a testament to coaching and the guy's ability to absorb that coaching and to be coachable and their preparation when they were backups being ready to come in as starters. So I would expect to see some penetration from, from the blitz game until we make adjustments and pick it up. And in order to beat that, we're going to have to get the ball out quick, three-step drop, that kind of stuff and throw it where the blitzer is coming from. And if we're able to do that successfully and hit the ball outside offensively in the run game, I think we're going to have a pretty good day. I I, I think that's the recipe for success against these guys. And one thing we've seen is that, you know, our coaches know how to call plays against Georgia Tech. We know how to put up points against these guys. So, you know, with with all the talk of rebuilding on offense, you know, up until last week, we were still dropping 30 points a game on people. Uh, you know, and I, and on two pretty good teams, Cal has turned out to be a decent team and Louisville is obviously, you know, we know what Louisville is. So 
I, I think we have the ability to score a lot of points in this game as long as the game plan hits the way we want it to. And I'm sure our play calling will be will be in accordance with that. Jason, on the offensive side, one thing that Mike covered there, but I was going to ask you is those blitzes. Duke hit Carolina with blitzes straight up the gut right out of the gate in last Saturday's game against Ted Roof's old school, ironically. But so how does how does Carolina adjust and how much adjustment do coaches make week to week, um, both from an opponent side, seeing what Carolina's had issues with and Carolina trying to shore up what those opponents took advantage of? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that you've got to go through your blitz periods in practice. You've got to make sure that you, that you understand the offensive line is communicating and that they're comfortable with who's going to pick up what. You've got to make sure that stuff's taken care of. But after that, I, I think a lot of what Mike said there was, was, was right on point. You try to hit that blitz in the, in the teeth. And if you can cut off the backside, especially when on, that, on that outside zone, if you get good cutoff blocks on the backside, then when those guys blitz and you, you run into the, into the blitz, you've got a real chance a lot of times to cut back because you, you're able to, if that guy's able to get a cutoff block and you get a guy just slightly out of a lane, and now you've got a big run. And, and, you know, Tennessee was able to do this a little bit against Georgia Tech in the first week. That's how they, how they managed to get some of the plays that got them back into the game in addition to getting some, uh, some, some plays from a, a big wide receiver downfield that really changed the game for them. But, and, and frankly, Georgia Tech should have won that game. But, but uh, I, I think, again, you've got to make sure that, that – and Mike can speak to this more than I can as a, as a former offensive lineman – you know, I, I think the biggest thing is learning is getting comfortable with the guy next to you and making sure that the communication is good so that there are fewer busts because I don't think they're going to have problems. Georgia Tech's not one of those teams that you're afraid of their physicality or the athletes that they have as much. If they can just make sure that they're blocking the right guy, I think they'll be able to, to create seams. Uh, yeah, Jason, I, I agree with that. I think the way Georgia Tech wins this game defensively is they beat us through scheme. They don't beat us through Jimmy's and Joe's. So I think you 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 were you were right on point with that. As far as uh, for the fans that are listening, what Jason was talking about cutting off the backside uh, again, this is assuming that our game plan is to get the ball outside in the run as much as possible. Uh, so your outside zones and sweeps. Um, we're talking about a backside tackle cutting off a three technique. We're talking about a backside guard cutting off the shade on the center and then that backside tackle with him getting up on the will linebacker and cutting the will off. Those are typically the two biggest blocks in an outside zone. You'd think it would be front side, but a lot of times it's those backside guys that make the play, especially your will linebacker, which is typically why your will, your weak side linebacker, is the best athlete on the field because he's expected to make those types of plays knowing he's going to be on block most of the game. So look for that in the game on Saturday. Um, if we're going to have success in the run game, look for backside cutoffs on the backside linebacker, backside three technique or shade. Jason, flipping to the other side of the ball, everybody's afraid or talks about Georgia Tech's offense. Not a true triple option. Do They do have a lot. But for Carolina, I think, and for any team, but for Carolina against Georgia Tech, stopping the dive play, you, you must stop the dive play to beat Georgia Tech, Jason. Tell me how to defend the Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Stop the dive play first. <laughs> you, have to, you have to defend Georgia Tech inside out no matter what, whether it's the dive play, whether it's their ISO play, whether it's 
they're uh the, the thing that, that i think terrifies defensive coordinators more than anything else is actually not georgia tech's dive play it's the midline option because you if, if if an option team starts being able to run midline option on you you're talking about pretty much armageddon for your defense there's nothing you can do that will that, that will ever stop a team once they start being able to run midline with success and midline what that is is instead of most most people are familiar with the triple option where you read the defensive end or the end man on the line of scrimmage in the box. What midline is, is you read the defensive tackle or sometimes the Mike linebacker, but usually the defensive tackle instead of a defensive end. And so what will happen is the quarterback, will, it's, it hits really quick, quarterback turns, and he's going to look at the at the unblocked defensive tackle. And if the unblocked defensive tackle crashes on the fullback or their, their their B back, then the quarterback pulls the ball out himself, lets that guy get tackled, and then hits right into the hole that the defensive tackle abandoned to tackle the 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 uh the back. And if he doesn't attack that hard, he just gives it to that guy and that guy's gonna because he's got momentum might get four or five yards. It's really dang hard to stop. So that and the dive, you have to stop that. If you don't stop those Georgia Tech will score every time they have the ball. So the first thing is you've got to be really well-schooled on what to do to make sure they're not going to be able to run midline and they're not going to be able to get a, a bunch of yardage with the, uh, with, the, uh, with the dive. And that starts with the defensive tackles being able to take care of business on the inside. That means you've got to have both defensive tackles not only – be able to you know make the play if they're, if they're asked to tackle the b-back or whatever but they've got to take up blockers the option wins by basically not blocking some some defensive linemen so suddenly they're able to get to that second level to those linebackers which just like uh mike was just talking about in in the zone zone game you want to get your linemen to the linebackers if you can get your linemen to the linebackers you're going to get big plays well what the option does is it gets linemen to the linebackers what that means is to stop the option, you've got to be able to protect your linebackers with your defensive tackles. And, and that's exactly what EJ talked about on our podcast too, Jason. That's a great point. Yeah, your defensive tackles had better dominate inside. You've got to be able to take up three blockers with your two defensive tackles. That's, that's, just, that's the way it has to work if you're going to stop an option team like Georgia Tech. If they're able to single block your defensive tackles or option one and single block the other, you're losing. So right there, that's that's your key. Those two defensive tackles have to have to make it difficult to block them with two guys and keep that that Mike linebacker clean. And the other thing is those edge guys, so they put a lot of pressure on your safeties, outside linebackers. Those guys have to be so disciplined and make sure that you know that that you're not attacking, say, the pitch guy too early. Even if he's your guy, you've got to make sure that you're in leverage in case the quarterback turns up and you've got to help on him. Because again, guys are going to miss tackles once in a while. You have to be able to gang tackle. So it's those little things. And again, to, be, to beat an option team, you've got to have a guy that's going to be able to beat his guy and make a play. You've got to have a guy that's going to force two guys to have to deal with him. That's the trick. And that's why you know the teams that can stop option teams are teams with those difference makers that demand double teams or you know, the cornerback who doesn't need safety help, right? You've got to have those guys that just 
are going to take a guy away. And, th- and that's where in this game, a guy like, uh, like MJ Stewart can really shine because you can say on one down, just take him away. So we don't have to single cover or, I mean, so we don't have to provide, uh, we're going to single cover and we don't have to provide any help so we can add an extra guy. Or maybe you put him near the line of scrimmage because he's able to, he's able to play a little bit of help as a one and a half on the pitch while still or on the quarterback while still getting to the pitch. That's some of the stuff that you do. And then the other real trick is you have to be able to vary your, your calls just enough. Cause what'll happen is Paul Johnson will start seeing, Oh, when we line up in this look, they're doing this. Okay. So I'm just going to block that guy. And then that change you know, that, that takes away their assignment for the pitch. And all of a sudden the guy's running free. You can't let them predict who's going to be responsible for what. You've got to roll the dice a little bit. It's almost a random number generator would be better calling against them sometimes to make sure that they can't just dictate, oh, you're going to do this, so we're just going to – Paul Johnson calls off of an if-then tree. And, you know, I, I broke this down years ago uh, for, for an article. I can't even remember if it was for Inside Carolina or for another site on the Scout Network uh, where it talked about Paul Johnson's if-then decision tree in terms of play calling and you've got to try to force him out of that by varying what defensive calls you make based on personnel or whatever or based on uh, formation and all that you got to have at least three that you're willing to go to at different points so that he can't just get into a rhythm so jason does carolina somebody said you need to be more aggressive defending georgia tech is that carolina's approach this week or well, I don't really even think there's an or there. Well, the question you, is more aggressive have... than what? Well, you tell me. That's what everybody says. You have to defend Georgia Tech by being aggressive. Carolina's been pretty aggressive in the first three weeks. Do they have the horses to attack Georgia Tech on defense? Well, the danger is if you get overly aggressive with an option scheme and you try to blitz them, they're going to gash you. So the thing is, more aggressive than what is the real question. You have to play, you have to, you have to make sure that your assignment sound and really gap sound, and in some cases you have to make sure you have, you know, for midline, what makes midline so hard for modern defenses to defend is, an option in general is so difficult for defenses to defend, is run defenses are predicated on gap integrity. And in a, in a defense like North Carolina's, each player in the defensive front is responsible for one gap. Well, what the option will often do, and the midline option certainly does, is it puts two guys through one gap. So your guy has good gap integrity and makes the tackle. It just so happens the guy he tackled doesn't have the ball, and another guy's running through that same seam. So the problem is if you're too aggressive there, you open seams for those option teams. What you have to do is you have to play with controlled aggression you have to be disciplined and you have to choose your spots and to me actually a a team like georgia tech you almost have to 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 play them you have to flip your 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 play calling backwards so normally defenses are going to be at their most conservative on first and 10 because you've got to play balanced against a, a, a team that can both run and throw on first down it's a neutral down and then you get most aggressive on third and long. Well, against Georgia Tech, what you're really trying to do, and you're doing this while you know, you're, you're, you're trying to prevent as many big plays as possible. So you got to, got, that's always, uh, always the concern. But the other thing that you're trying to do is you're trying 
desperately. You know they're going to run on first down. You're not sure what they're going to run, but you can try to game them into things and then get aggressive on first down so that you can try to force them to be behind the chains. Because if they're second and nine, their whole offense changes. If they're second and five or second and three, that's, you ain't stopping them. You can get them second nine, second and 11. You got a chance. And so what you have to do is you almost have to call first down like it's third down and be willing on one, thir- one first down. You know what? They got 12 yards. All right, well, restart. But next time I might get him for minus one. Well, they got eight. All right, well, restart again. Next first down, oh, we got him for minus one. Okay, we got a chance to stop now. That's kind of how you have to call it. But the thing is, you can't let the 10 or 12-yard gain be an 80-yard gain. So that's where you have to be aggressive on first down, but while being disciplined and while being careful enough that you're not giving up big plays. Good stuff there. A lot of a lot of things to unpack from both of you guys on how Carolina approaches this Georgia Tech game. Let's talk predictions. Jason, Mike had to leave us, but he predicted 28-14 to 14 Georgia Tech with more positive than negative for North Carolina despite the score outcome. Your take on Yellow Jackets, Tar Heels. You know, I've really gone back and forth on this. You know, I North Carolina couldn't be much more injury laden at this point. And Georgia Tech has been a lot better than people expected at the uh, to this to this stage. So it makes a lot of sense to pick Georgia Tech because, you know, the matchups make a lot of sense with Jalen Dalton most likely being out for this game. Uh, if Jalen Dalton played, uh, this would be, I think, a, a very different game. But um you know, the thing is, when I watch Georgia Tech against Tennessee, Georgia Tech should have won that game, but Tennessee was able to do some things late in that game that made me believe that North Carolina can win this game. Namely, uh, Tennessee was able to throw the football with success to a big wide receiver down the field against Georgia Tech's secondary, and Georgia Tech had no answers for him. And with what we saw last week from Anthony Ratliff-Williams, I think there's a real chance that North Carolina is going to be able to take advantage of some of the same kinds of plays with Surratt and keep themselves in position to win this game. I actually, I'm going to take North Carolina in an upset in this game. I think it's going to be very close. I think there's going to be some points scored. But I'm going to go with North Carolina pulling an upset in Atlanta, 34-31. Staples in with Carolina 34-31. I'm going to save my predictions for the WCHL tailgate show. As Jason, as we always know, I'm never right. So we'll see what happens on Saturday as we make those predictions that's going to do it for this edition of the inside carolina pod show guys it's been an adventure but i appreciate you joining me thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of unc sports your home for tar heel football basketball and recruiting